Hello there, my name is Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Andy Griffith, who I'm linked up with here, had barely mailed a voice recorder back to me after recording our interview about his grander six-skilled sharks when I was posting it back to him for another instalment, this time on Thresher Sharks, which I know you both wanted and needed to complete your home waters grand slam. Certainly no easy task if historical records with the species are anything to go by. And now the old waiting at the bus stop cliché springs to mind. You wait for ages for one, then two come along at once. Except in this case, for you, it was five. Very few anglers ever get to target thresher sharks, and even fewer ever end up catching one, adding greatly to the mystique of the species. Something taken one step further by those who have sussed out the fishing for them, being understandably reluctant to hand out the findings on a plate to all and sundry, which I know to some extent is also the case here. So rather than me asking a series of questions structured to try and tease out what facts you're able to give me, I'm going to throw it open now for you to tell us what you can about what is the icing on a very successful shark fishing cake, starting perhaps with a bit of a recap in terms of what this Grand Slam actually entails. Yeah, so it's great to be back. It doesn't seem that long ago, as you've mentioned, that we were chatting. Um, I mean, I did say in the last interview, a bit tongue-in-cheek, um, that I was going to attempt something quite special the next month in July. And uh, obviously, great success there. And um, yeah, here we are again to talk about that. But as you've asked me to sort of recap, broadly, my my interest from sharks has sort of been since I was a child, really. I just think they're amazing creatures in their own environment, apex predators. Obviously, as um, got older, watched Jaws, fascinated with that, sort of scary, but curious at the same time. And then um, thought, why not attempt to catch larger specimens in uh, British waters? Proved to be successful on lots of blue sharks. Took me four seasons to get my first poor beagle. So that was um, a real big tick for me. Um, Didn't realise how difficult they were. I've always described them as sort of a mullet in the shark world. You think they're going to go in on the bait and then they shy away. So they've been good fun. And as we know, previous interview... The IGFA Shark Grand Slam was in 2013. That was an amazing day. That was um, nine blue sharks to 120 pound. And then I had a poor beagle of, I think it was off the top of my head for now, 119. And then the day lit up with the the shortfin mako, which was just an incredible experience. Something I still smile about and reminisce. Um, Whenever I see Andrew, we always sort of still talk about when that leapt airborne cartwheeled a couple of times to the left and crashed back in the sea amazing memory really fell on my feet there so that was registered formally as a world first so the first igfa shark grand slam worldwide so an amazing achievement um pat on the back to the team that helped me do it and as you know sort of wanting to continue on the shark theme i headed to ireland to investigate with luke aston six gills didn't think I would be as successful as I was. Lots of people sort of do joke with me that when I apply myself, I do tend to do things in style. So first day, 600 pounder, second day, um, 1150 and a 1400. So two granders in a day, which was absolutely amazing. Wonderful creatures, almost prehistoric in their look. I don't think any photograph or video does them justice. They are absolutely enormous. So 
going back from our last interview, that's where we left off. Well, sorry, that's where we finished with the um, the six gill tail. And um, we had that conversation, Phil, about what would be next. And I did say at the time, the thresher shark was obviously going to be the one that could haunt me for many years, perhaps even decades. Um, maybe I would never get there. But um, I thought if there was ever going to be an opportunity to do it, there was nothing to be lost. The Shark Angling Club of Great Britain in April of this season actually reminded the club members that um, there was actually a special award for the first person to achieve the big four, which would be to catch and release Blue, Paul, Beagle, Mako and Thresher. And my competition um, was Chris Bett. He needed a Mako. And the late David Turner, who sadly has passed away this year, he needed the Thresher. And I was led to believe that he'd hooked into one and unfortunately lost it last season. So I say only needed the Thresher. Chris was probably up against it most needing a Mako. So there was actually an award going to be given. It was a Leaping Mako Tapestry. So that was being branded about a bit. But how it came about with heading off for this was um, there was a, a guy approached me privately and said he'd had some success. We chatted about the scarcity of these threshers, but he'd been successful over a couple of seasons and developed his own little fishery, I would perhaps be tempted to say. And he said he would love to help me. He knew that you know he could put that final jigsaw piece in my puzzle as it were and help me to get the um, the final bit to get the big four and a very modest guy private boat didn't want to be named by boat name or by name himself just wanted to help so had a chat with him over the phone we both remarked on how rare these threshers are and it's quite insular the sort of angling community around thresher sharks i think there are key players and obviously danny vokins would be the king of the pile if you like who's pioneered thresher shark so successfully i think he's probably up to 50 or so in his career to date and some and some good ones he seems to winkle out the big boys amongst them and then there are obviously a few privateers that have um, made their own successes as well but it's very difficult to get in the the sort of the club if you like so when this invite came about i i just couldn't wait to sort of get going on it so july well actually it was the beginning of july i was heading to do traditional shark fishing with andrew and i was taking my boys harry and sam who um, at the time were only eight and ten on a shark fishing trip just to sort of get their their first sort of blue sharks early season and actually on the journey we pulled into the service stations and um, my private skipper who was going to be um, taking me on this thresher quest sent me a couple of pictures and um, in the services my eyes sort of popped up my head virtually because he'd already got into a couple of threshers early in the season so I just was buzzing I almost sort of just wanted to fast forward and get straight in on that so it was great that they had turned up um, not very much bait fish around, um, but the, certainly he was over the moon himself. He'd got some threshers. So anyway, we went about the onward journey to Wales. My boys were successful with their blue shark fishing. And I must admit, whilst I thoroughly enjoyed that and documented that and great photos that led to little magazine articles locally, 
I was in the back of my mind selfishly thinking about I can't wait to go thresher shark fishing as well. So really that moves me on to the, the sort of the real event. Um, I headed south. I sort of had three days booked with this guy and the weather window was looking absolutely perfect for all three days and we all know how rare that was and I just thought god there, there really is a good chance he's had two a couple of weeks ago the tide was good the water clarity was good if we were successful on some live baits that was obviously going to be a bonus but we were well stocked up with um frozen baits and um we met very early um, as I said, I hadn't met him before. I'd spoken over the phone, seemed a great guy, immediately hit it off, chatting about everything fishy, as it were. And um, we, we set up, well, he set a course to his sort of desired mark for bait. Um, we struggled with bait, actually. Um, I, I don't think we actually got any fresh bait to start with, so he just wanted to crack on. I think he was put, perhaps put a bit of pressure on himself that he wanted to sort of do this um, for me. And I just said, look, I'm here to try. I know what fishing is like. You could sort of spend many, many years trying to do this and it may never come off. But if some good fortune was going to be with us, let's just sort of go and play. So bait fish was unsuccessful. So we headed off to the mark, set up the drift in the normal way. Um, I was interested. There seemed to sort of be quite a few weird eddy currents. We were sort of, we span on our drift. It was quite a slow drift. And then it was sort of, then it sped up and he even put a sort of a drogue in the water to slow us down to sort of get exactly the line he wanted, um, obviously where he'd been successful before. Using all of um, his gear, it was typically stand-up 30 IGFA class Penn International rod, short bent butt, which was quite nice. I've not used bent butts in stand-up form before, so that was good. That was linked to Shimano Tiagra 30 wide. Wind on leaders, because obviously he fishes on his own a lot, so for safety and ease of handling big fish, he uses wind on leaders. That was new to me, and I was very conscious about, obviously, if we were successful and nearing bringing a boat, sort of boat side, um, that I wouldn't sort of foul up the line on the frame of the reel. And then top shot of £80 mono, pretty tough, actually. I thought I was quite surprised that we were really that heavy duty, but... Of course, in that environment down there, you can get some significantly big threshers. I think um, Danny Vokins has probably had the biggest one down there. I think it may even be sort of approaching the £500 mark. I may be mistaken, but I think it's sort of getting up there. And then Braid is backing. Circle hook, small little tenno, quite a nice little hook. And um, the normal rubbing leader and sort of ordinary shark trace you would expect. Set the dead baits down. Um, initially could have just used two, one at great distance actually, it must have been a couple of hundred metres off the back of us, which again is probably longer as the furthest bait that I've ever experienced sharking, and then one sort of not too far away from the boat, and then whilst the chum sort of uh, made its way off and the baits bobbed up and down, our drift was good and steady, we thought that it would be wise that um, to sort of see if we could get some additional bait in the form of live bait, so we started feathering, and this is where the excitement began, actually. Um, we were just talking generally about fishing, and all of a sudden, he sort of had the, the rod and reel virtually yanked out of his hands, and, you know, hell of a bend, and then pinged up, and he wound his, his string of feathers in, and one had actually, one of the hooks had been bitten in half. It wasn't that we lost the hook, it was clinically bitten in half, so it had gone through the metal. 
He then told a tale of his what he considered was his first encounter with a thresher in that environment down there, where he'd been using a Dexter wedge without the treble on the end as a weight. And I've used that myself. I find it's an amazing attractor, very bright and shiny as a stainless steel um, weight, almost lure, one and the same. And he recalled the tale of how he'd been feathering. And he was casting, actually, and then bringing it back to different depths. And something grabbed it, something significant. And then the line shot across the surface of the water. No tail visible or anything like that. No dorsal fin. But shot at great speed, peeling line off the reel. And then all went slack, wound in, and the Dexter wedge had been bitten clean off. And he um, said that he considered that was probably his first encounter with a thresher. So you know, another exciting story. You know, us fishermen, we like a, a good tail. And... It was almost scripted from what he'd said because he put his rod in a rod rest with a Dexter wedge on it and that was bobbing up and down as the boat was bobbing around and the rod arched over and it pulled it so aggressively over that the actual stainless steel rod rest went sort of, well, rather than being horizontal, it was now sort of 45 degrees pointing into the water. Pinged up, he retrieved the line and... Just, just to show the force of how that it had gone over, we sort of it took two of us almost to put the rod rest back in its sort of position on the rail in horizontal position. And when he retrieved the string of feathers, the Dexter wedge had gone. So it was almost quite bizarre. And at that point, he said, I'm convinced now there is a thresh under the boat. So a, another uh, setup was lowered in, fresh bait, well, frozen bait. And we sat just chatting next to one another. And within five minutes, that rod went arching over and the reel just was alive. It lit up, screaming off. And I was actually quite interested. He was using a significantly higher strike drag than I have ever experienced. And this thing just went off as some sort of powerhouse. It was just quite shocking in a way. It actually sort of made me jump. And the first thing he said is, that's your thresher. And the first thing I was thinking is, oh my God, this is going to be a hell of a battle, the speed this thing's going off. So I, it, I mean, it was going off at such a rate of knots. Obviously with the bent butt in the rod, rod holder, it was actually quite difficult to get the rod out of the holder. And, you know, we're all experienced anglers, but that, that sort of first few moments where you think, oh, you know, goodness, I need to get this out really quickly, that butt into the butt pad, clip on I was wearing an AFCO kidney harness just to sort of give me some support because obviously I thought you know you get a big, big thresher or even a big beagle when you're um, f fishing down there you could be in for a few hours of battle anyway this thing went off at such a rate of knots I mean they describe threshers as the bull of the sea and it was most apparent this thing was just you know an animal and so I continued to sort of get myself prepared for it latched on so the harness all um, connected let it run there's no point fighting a fish that's running put a little bit more drag on it and um, it slowed down a little bit then you could see the tail so immediately knew that this was a thresher the tail it was just like a, a sickle coming out of the sea and it was flat calm and it was just again one of those images i will never ever forget thrashing around it was turning the sea into foam didn't jump but it was shooting across the turn of speed was absolutely incredible i mean my mako was a couple of hundred well 194 
this um, thresher when we got it boats I was estimated at 200 just about probably just a bit over 200 so like for like but the speed of this thresher it was almost in a different league but I mean that's my experience some people may have different stories but for me it, the, the sense of speed and change of direction was absolutely incredible almost dare I say it was almost like a poor beagle that was on steroids it was just an absolute animal so whizzing around, didn't have to move the boat around. Engines were on, just in case we needed to chase it down. But soon got it under control and wound up, keep the pressure on, same old, same old. And then probably about half an hour, 40 minutes later, got it boat side. You could see colour. And then it just sort of just sort of came up through the water column and the coloration was the thing that struck me first, notwithstanding the tail. I mean, it looks, it's a comical looking shark. It's almost like a child has drawn it. The tail is so long. And I know we all know from photographs that the tail is significantly long, but actually when you see it, it just looks ridiculously long. So um, we got that, I think, well, it danced me round the stern a little bit. I was sort of port side, starboard side for a little bit. And then Skipper sort of um, was able to get hand on leader and it dived under the boat. So we had to give it a bit more line. But then he was sort of gloving that last leader, fair old leader on it. And um, it was alongside the boat and it, it was lit up. It was all colours of the rainbow. But the, the predominant colours for me for the purples, bronzes mixed with yellow. Um, it's got that lovely marbling along the side of it on its white flanks i think that, that that gets more and more as they mature as well and such a small mouth it's almost a sad mouth it's not upturned it looks a bit sort of yeah, dare i say miserable but just an incredible shark and um it was hand hand on leader lots of photographs as quickly as we could we we're very mindful to get it released quickly on reflection now perhaps i would have liked more time on it but we were very conscious to let it go quickly, not boated. It was too dangerous to bring such a shark aboard. And it was amazing. We, you know, we sort of shook hands and a pat on the back and it was history made on the spot. And we were both in agreement that it was a good 200. So absolutely thrilled with that. And I thought, you know, that's an incredible experience. 11.30, my first attempt at getting... Um, getting a thresher and I'd done it my first attempt day one of three how could it get any better social media wise I pinged it straight on social media because I thought I want this recognized on a real timeline here that I had been successful and I'd got this sort of the big four I believe I'm the first angler in the United Kingdom to ever have achieved this I don't think there's any record showing that it's been done before so absolutely over the moon i was thrilled to bits and my skipper was too he was just buzzing with me and um, it was incredible there was obviously a lot of time to continue fishing so we did we continued with more bait in the water i think we'd actually got some live baits by then as well and i couldn't believe it it wasn't that long after another run and um, I was back into another thresher, instantly tail up, thrashing around, shooting across the surface of the water. It was almost sort of fantasy fishing. You know, one was going to be a fish of a lifetime, but I was potentially going to be into two here if I successfully played it, kept a cool head. And um, that happened. I, I did all the usual things. Nice tight line, let it run when it wants to. 
don't sort of overcook it with drag and we got that one alongside we estimated that in the region of about 160 so a lovely specimen again I was almost sort of in hysterics because this was just such a phenomenal experience to get to so that was released some photographs taken there was again still time to fish and I don't know I think probably another hour we actually managed to get some food in us which was good and then another line went I think I actually had a tope wound that in virtually you know with that gear just sort of just dragged that straight to the boat unhook that and put that away then a short while after that another take again speed of run we knew it was thresher much smaller tail on the surface of the water this time no none of the three to date had jumped and this one was beautiful it's a pup it was about 30 pounds so i'm not too knowledgeable on how old that might be but certainly great to see a juvenile fish you know there's certainly three there amazing that you get all the different sizes together so i just think it shows that it's a good fishery it's sustainable which is very encouraging for the future but a hat trick of threshers when I mean, it's it's almost sort of lottery talk doing this they're lifetime fish and not common at all but to do three in a day um, was just absolutely amazing so we headed in it was time to sort of um, retire for the day so the weather was looking good for the second day and we set about exactly the same technique, tried to get a few live baits. We were successful actually with some live baits, so I was pretty interested to see whether they would outperform a dead bait if, if indeed we would be successful in connecting to another thresher. We were fishing three lines again. I think from memory the furthest line out had the live bait on it. And then two dead baits, um, one sort of mid-range, and then one again quite close to the boat. I do like the close one to the boat. I think with blues and poor beagles, it's been very successful getting a big shark on that close bait. And I just think it adds to a bit more anticipation and excitement. If my memory serves me right, fishing on the hang was one of Thresher Shark pioneer Ted Legg's proven techniques. Really? Yeah. I think... So for the anticipation, it just, it's more exciting because it's, it's just closer. And to know that perhaps some big creature is sort of skulking around down there, directly beneath you, I just think it's, it's just more thrilling, really. So, yeah, fishing away. Um, quite quiet, actually. And I think we decided we would actually, after several hours, we would rebait or certainly check baits. And what was interesting was the live bait, which was the furthest one out. That was retrieved and um, its back was broken. And you could see how it had been hit. So obviously a thresher had attacked it and it was sort of wobbly in the middle. And, you know, obviously it's, it was dead then, but I don't know whether I can describe it easily enough. But you could actually feel that the, the spine was broken. It almost sort of hinged in the middle. And there was a bit of a compression on the side of it. And you could almost like, um, you know, you can tell if a skate's had a bait and let go. It's, it's sort of, it's almost been put in a vice. Well, I think the whipping of um, this live bait had ended its um, life that day. But we'd um, missed connecting. So baits went back out. Then another run and another small one. One of about £40, we estimated that. Bought that aboard, which was quite nice. Put her on the... Um, cool box and wetted that all down so it was nice and cold because it was a pretty hot day lots of water over it cleaned her up she's actually managed to get some of the trace around her tail as well so it was a forced boating if you like 
but the purple coloration on the juvenile fish again it, it looked as though a kid had colored it in it was um stunning you know it, it almost sound probably for anybody listening to this makes it sound as i'm in love with the threshers but i think when you physically see them they are such an amazing shark dare i say perhaps my favorite incredible so yeah that um that was then photographed videoed and then released and um that pretty much brought the day to a close we did a quick weather check as we trundled on back in and the weather was going to be perfect for the next day so i knew that i'd got this sort of last chance saloon for could i do something else on day three so um it had been four to date and uh, it was just going to be you know formidable if i could actually increase on that so recapping it was the sort of the, the 200 the 160 and the 30 then day two the 40 and um to set out on that final day what could we achieve and we achieved in my eyes the ultimate because uh, having seen my mako jump in 2013 and watched lots of footage on threshers jumping I was so keen to actually see one breach fully and um, later that third day in the afternoon my sort of fantasy if you like was to be realized line shot off incredibly fast um, sort of yeah just sort of lightning speed um, struggled again to get the rod out of the rod holder with sort of such pressure on it bent over um, set up fought it well um, and it seemed this one seemed to be sort of um, chaotic in a way I'm, I'm sure it was organized in its own mind but for me it was chaotic because one minute it was portside then it was starboard I was at the back uh, yeah I was fishing off the stern and then it shot down the stern side and the next thing I'm I'm sort of going along the wheelhouse skipper's got the boat in full reverse as it comes from the bow directly back towards the boat and goes completely airborne not once twice and actually had the skipper not put us in full reverse it would have actually if it had jumped it didn't jump three times but had it jumped a third time it would have physically landed in the boat i don't know what it would have done to the sort of um the boat probably smashed it to pieces but what the, the beauty of that was unknown to me is the skipper had a gopro camera on his head which actually recorded that sort of sequence from it being stern down the side the starboard side and then at the bow and jumping and i have stills of that they're not particularly high resolution but they're incredible and i shared those onto the shark angling club of great britain's website and in their words could well be the photographic sequence of the year in the uk so it's incredible it's almost stage nose up body up and completely out and crashing back in and then coming back out and they um they tend to belly flop when they go back in, which is quite bizarre as well. So it's a real big splash. But to see that fifth one jump and then successfully get it alongside for more photographs, that was the real icing on the cake. It couldn't have gone any better. It was it was a real highlight. So I'm so fortunate that I've got the sort of the two what I'd describe as the ultimate British sharks and both species have jumped absolutely thrilled with the whole experience we didn't have any further success that day but you know hey ho five thresher sharks in three days absolutely incredible 
and it, it was just incredible. Um, and actually, the skipper just in single words does actually now wish to be recognised on this. So, just like to say openly, thank you so much, Stuart Newell, for helping me achieve this, and you go in the history book with me in assisting me. So, thank you so much for your help. The same as the legendary Ted Legg achieved in his entire career. Though in fairness, he was fishing for poor beagles with threshers as a bonus, whereas the current situation, according to Danny Vokins, with poor beagles now starting to make something of a comeback, it sounds like the east of the Isle of Whitewaters are fishing the other way around. In conversation earlier before the voice recorder was switched on, you also mentioned Stuart Newell's personal thresher successes in the season, which is 2018, which when added to your five fish comes somewhere near the legendary Ted Leg achieved throughout the 1970s and 1980s in total. Now that's some going. Of course, homage must also be paid to Danny Vokins, who currently has the mind-blowing running total of 48. Coupled to what's happening in the Celtic Sea for Andrew Alsop aboard White Water, Luke Aston's successes with huge six skills off the Western Irish coast and now increasing numbers of threshers to the east of the Isle of Wight, shark fishing around the British Isles looks to be in a very good place at this particular moment in time, and long may that continue. All that remains then is to thank Andy Griffith once again for completing his podcasting shark trilogy with us here. <laughs>